Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Sir. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine. Good. Lots going Better on. Better than they're doing in, in Middle East. Yeah, no kidding. What, what a mess. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we have to remind ourselves, and we remind a few viewers because they know the significance of it. Day-to-day, uh, -day, sometimes, oh, big things are going to happen, and they don't, mm -hmm. and they delay it. But it seems like it's been perpetual. And uh, since, uh, you, you know, I've been watching this type of news for a long time because as a very young person, I can remember my dad being very uh, attentive to the news. His kids, you know, in the third, late th 30s, uh, and then uh, on Pearl Harbor, that sort of thing. Uh, and. He listened to all those things when the news came on, uh, you know, stop and listen. But now we listen to it, and sometimes it's a warning, sometimes it's not a big warning, uh, and it's a misinformation, and the, the whole thing. But it seems like it's that in, during my lifetime, these kind of news things have uh, occurred routinely. I mean, we haven't had it, we don't get a break. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the next? Uh, war going on, the killing going to happen. But anyway, the big event right now is happening, which suggests to me, and I'm sure you, that uh, good things aren't uh, coming about. There's there's talks about uh, America's involved. You know, we, we know they're involved, and we know they spend a lot of money, and, and uh, yet yeah, we, we have red lines. We will not put troops on the soil, you know, of Israel. We're not going to put troops in Ukraine. Yeah. We'll just call them FBI agents <laughs> and special forces, all that nonsense. So the money and technology and interference, because uh, a lot of people still in, in, in America, they don't think of this as uh, as an empire in a contest for more territory. Uh, they brush it off that they're responding to what bad people do, but uh, we're, we are we respond as an empire, and uh, it, it always happens. Expansion of war. If if they have not yet attacked us, we'll get them to attack us mm. so that we have an excuse. But right now, there's a, a lot more talk since. Uh, since the Palestinians uh, did their damage in Israel, which was significant as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's no need for that kind of stuff mm -hmm. if people were interested in peace, but they, they're not. So th 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 that happened, but now it's going back and forth. What's Israel going to do in, uh, in our program so far? I've uh, commented, I said, you know, it seems to be slow every day. They're preparing, they're preparing, they're lining up. And I keep figuring, what are they, are they ambivalent? They don't know what to do, or is this a strategy or what? But it keeps building, it doesn't go away. And right now, today, prepare for 2,000 troops. And most people agree that we're ready to send 2,000 troops over there and a couple aircraft uh, uh, aircraft carriers, the whole works. But uh, there's even now, now that the story broke out in the open about the 2,000 troops, there could be more. Yeah. There could be thousands more, and why not? You know, I keep thinking, you know, probably the most significant thing, uh, how many troops are in there secretly? How many uh, CIA agents are there? How many special forces are there there and in Ukraine uh, and uh, Israel and on, on in Gaza? I mean, we, we have them around there. But now the big thing is the, the increasing. Then the rhetoric breaks out. 
of course, the rhetoric has to be very strong. Israel will, Israel has warned, and uh, I tend to believe what they're saying. Uh, but it, the very big, big invasion ha into Gaza hasn't occurred yet. But then there's other people that have interest. Lebanon has an interest, and uh, what, 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 what are they going to And the other big one is Iran. What are they going to do? And, uh, and, and also, the closer we get here, the, the worst thing is at least we pretend we're not supposed to be there and we can fib. But boy, let's that's, say that's 20,000 troops land in uh, Gaza. Mm -hmm. then, then the whole thing is totally opened up. Then, that, then that's a very broad war. And that's what, what I dread. But that's the type of talk right now on, uh, and Iran hasn't been totally silent. Uh, it's been reported that they say, don't mess with us, you'll probably aggravate us. And, uh, and they all, you know, one of the aggravations that the, uh, that the Palestinians had was that, uh, you, you know, they thought uh, the United States was supporting, and this was one of, one of the excuses for 9-11, are helping Israel more than they helped the Palestinians. And it it just goes on and on, and right now it seems to be building. It isn't it isn't you know, you know an event that is slowly disappear, disappearing. It's an event that's smoldering, and the news we get today, I would say, it's uh, more threats to us, and we have to be very aware of this. Well, after the attack by Hamas last Saturday in Israel, <clears throat> where they took out several bases, they took a lot of uh, Israeli. IDF officers and forces hostage, and they're holding them hostage. Um, after that, of course, then Israel began to flatten Gaza, and they've essentially flattened it completely. Um, they cut off food, water, and electricity, uh, which are considered war crimes. The population is separate from Hamas. Hamas is the fighting group. The rest of the population, it would be like um, if someone had the uh, ability to cut off water and power for the U.S. because the government in Washington invaded Iraq, right? Yeah. Hey, we didn't do it, they did it. But nevertheless, it's collective punishment. So now after a few days of doing that, they've been prepared, as you say, for the ground invasion. But for some reason, they've hesitated thus far. And there are a lot of theories. They've said, well, the weather's not good. And that's, it doesn't really <laughs> hold a lot of water to say that. Um, there's a lot of speculation. <clears throat> and in fact, um, there's an article in Foreign Affairs, which is very, very the mainstream uh, of, of U.S. foreign policy community, saying that if Israel goes into Gaza, it will be an absolute disaster for Israel. This is not the kind of warfare that they're designed to fight. It's urban warfare. Uh, Hamas has the advantage because of the tunnels. And even, in fact, ironically, the broken down buildings give them a lot more hiding places. So going in is not a great idea. So it seems like they're hesitating. So now in this, as you say, this kind of what's going to happen next environment, well, here comes the Biden administration staggering in like a drunk into a bar. And let's put this first clip up. Oh, what, do we, what should we do? Well, let's send some troops there. This is the Military Times is the first article. Uh, this is from uh, yesterday afternoon. 2,000 U.S. troops on notice to deploy as Israel-Hamas war intensifies. Now, the administration clarified that they would be involved in medical activities uh, and things of that nature. They're not going to be uh, deploying into Gaza to fight. But now there's some speculation because in addition to these 2,000, if you go to the next one, 
we're seeing from responsible statecraft and other outlets, we talked about it just before the show, that it appears in addition to those 2,000, we may be seeing an additional 4,000, uh, an additional 2,000, because the U.S. Marine Rapid Response Unit of 2,000 Marines and sailors announced for Israel-Gaza, reportedly separate from the pre-deployment orders for 2,000 troops announced last night. So if that's indeed the case, you've got 2,000 potentially combat troops in addition to the other 2,000, but responsible statecraft again, if we can go to that next clip, they also point out it doesn't end there. Meanwhile, they write, carrier groups can carry about 10,000 personnel between the two of them and bring significant firepower and strategic capabilities to bear. The USS Ford, aside from its fighter aircraft and missiles, sails with the Ticonderoga class guided missile cruiser Normandy and the Arleigh Burke class guided missile destroyers, etc., etc. These ships carry surface-to-air, surface-to-surface, and anti-submarine warfare capabilities. So the Biden administration has two carrier groups and additional um, deployed ships, uh, combat ships, and now 14,000, 20,000 soldiers. Where do you get the authorization to do this? <laughs> they, don't, they don't seem to worry about that <laughs> anymore, you know. So and that, that, of course, it was changed in a major sort of way after World War II. And uh, they know exactly what they're doing. They want free reign. But that's, that's the way empires work. Yeah, you know, the power gets more authoritarian, more vicious, more spendthrift. But that's also the sign that uh, empires come to an end. So uh, right now, we notice that uh, the animosity against uh, Israel has been around for a long time, especially since... Uh, you, you, you know, since the 30s and the 40s and all the way up. And, and there's a lot of uh, anti-Semitic activity going on. But what, uh, why, what, what seems to have changed under these circumstances is it's in broad daylight again. You know, it, it was there and people knew about it and they read about the, the Nazis and all this. But all of a sudden you see demonstrations I don't if they did occur they sort of got by me but demonstrations you know against Israel uh, and and I don't think all those are motivated for the same reason there's different reasons why that happens but uh, that 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 means this is a deep-seated uh, uh, conviction of, of the sides that are involved because the way the Palestinians have been treated, they're not going to say, oh, okay, send us a few dollars or something, mm -hmm. and we'll be, we'll be all right if you just help help us rebuild. But it's, it's, it's getting much, much worse in, of that. And I think when you see these demonstrations in New York and different places, you have to look at it in the context of, of exactly why it's happening. But it's still something that has not been happening over the last decade or two. Yeah, and I think perceptions are changing. I, I was looking at an NBC poll. I didn't, I didn't bring it up, but I was looking at it yesterday, and it was talking about support for Israel. Maybe I mentioned it on the show yesterday, but how it's mostly the uh, baby boomer generation that has a very high percentage of support for Israel, but now the Gen Z and the younger, they just don't have that. It's not part of their DNA. They're not really as in favor of Israel. But the thing about this deployment, Dr. Paul, that gets me First of all, I think this is why 
the framers designed our <laughs> system as it is because this is precisely where you need Congress to be available to say, now hang on a minute, Biden, what are you up to? What is going on here? Now, obviously the president has some limited ability to respond to emergencies, but this isn't an attack on the U.S. And we do not have a treaty with Israel, defense treaty with Israel. Um, so this is why we need Congress. What are you doing, Biden? Why are you sending these troops here? What is the goal? What is the strategy? What is the end game? You're deploying a significant portion of the United States military capability off the shores of Israel, and you haven't told us a thing about what's happened. You haven't told the American people only the slogans, we're going to stand by Israel until the end of time. Well, that's not really good enough when you're talking about the potential for a massive explosion here, and you don't hear anything about it. You know, you started off by talking about uh, authority. Where do they get the authority? And uh, the authority for certain things, military short of war, has been known from the very beginning because Jefferson dealt with this. And he, but he specifically would go to the Congress and say, this is what we have to do for freedom on the shipping on the seas and, and, uh, and, and be able to defend themselves. But it was very specific and he had the authority. But today, uh, you know, it used to be for a while they thought the authority, the, the founders wanted the authorities for a real war to come from a congressional vote and from the people. But they now, now it's authority, even if you give them authority to use military force, supposedly in a restrained fashion, they don't care. Yeah. They do it for anything. I mean, just think of the authority to do something about the people who contributed and got involved in 9-11. They were using that and people are trying to, you know, get rid of all that attitude that you, you do one little authority. Oh, yeah, Jefferson got authority to fight the barber pirates, so we still have it, yeah. you know. That's it, 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 the restraint on the Constitution doesn't exist. And that goes to show that, that things that are written, the rules that are written, they're about as good as the people are that uh, want to live by them. So, yeah. so you have to have decent people if you want decent laws to be enforced. Yeah, well, we're in trouble then. <laughs> the right. In a many ways. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it really is a legitimate question. What is the target of all of these military assets there? And one of the gentlemen that I read a lot, and I mentioned him, I think, in my speech in D.C., is Will Scriver. And he, he's a very, very thoughtful, uh, uh, strategic thinker, I would call him. And he makes this following point in a tweet, and I recommend following his account, by the way. He says, so, a large amphibious assault flotilla will join the two carrier battle groups assembling in the, near, in the eastern Mediterranean. Many believe this is just power projection posturing. I find that explanation deficient. <laughs> this is a war fleet, and Hamas is not its target, which of course makes sense because Hamas is hiding underground in Gaza right now. You don't need these kinds of assets. So what is the target? Let's do the next one. This is um, uh, the Jerusalem Post reporting this morning that the IDF is striking Hezbollah targets in Lebanon, and Hezbollah is striking back. It's not a full-blown warfare, but I think Hezbollah took out a tank this morning. So they are now having skirmishes in the north. So the question is, what is this carrier group for? What are these 15,000 troops for? Well, um, our friend Bernard at Moon of Alabama, who I always, I've read for years and years, um, 
he has a good article out I would recommend to read. If you can put, go ahead and put that back up if you don't mind. Um, uh, he agrees. He says Hamas isn't the target. And then he had some quotes from the 60 Minutes interview that we focused on yesterday, Dr. Paul, uh, kind of teasing what, what might be. Uh, and uh, Scott Pelley from 60 Minutes said, would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza? Biden said, I think that would be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent the Palestinian people. I think it'd be a mistake for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We, but going in, but taking out the extremists in Hezbollah up north, but Hamas down south, it is a necessary requirement. No, that's just Biden speak. But anyway, he goes on to talk about how Hezbollah is a powerful Islamist militia to Israel's north, which is trained and armed by Iran. So it sounds to me like Biden here is saying, no, Israel should not go into Gaza. Not a good idea. The real targets should be Hezbollah in Lebanon. But you think about that. We've been there and done that. And as you famously pointed out in many speeches, Reagan realized what a disaster it was to get involved in Lebanon. So it's hard to believe that Biden wants to do that again. Yeah. It, it, and to me, they, they don't understand exactly what they're doing and how dangerous it is. Yeah. And it's always a pretense, uh, you know, that they're going to bring about peaceful things. And it's also what, what a, a president says, uh, the words they say, has to be questioned on all presidents because all presidents have to bend the, bend the truth a bit now yeah. and then. But the current president uh, does more than bend it. And so when he says something, something well, it's not a halfway reasonable not to go in there, but then what is the, what is the catch? You know, well, we, we won't go in. Uh, we will keep Israel out of Gaza, but we're going to go after Hezbollah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, maybe maybe it's because uh, you know we have to be careful about uh, you, you know Gaza. Uh, because, uh, you, you know, there was a time when the Israelis supported, yeah. supported all that, yeah. with all that money Hamas, and all yeah. that, bring them about, and mix it up a bit. Well, what Bernard in Moon of Alabama is com putting forth, and I think there's a reason to consider it, uh, is really bringing in the issue of Ukraine. And he doesn't say it explicitly, but you know, I think it's pretty obvious now that NATO is lost in Ukraine, the U.S. is lost in Ukraine, <clears throat> the counteroffensive went nowhere, but the neocons, they never give up. And so if we can put this next one up. Now, here's, here is his hypothesis, Dr. Paul, which I think makes sense. Of course, we don't know, but it makes sense. So obviously, they're not there for Gaza. They're probably not there for Lebanon. Uh, we've been there and we've, we've done that. Then he makes the point that we're not really there for Iran. Iran is too powerful and regional for us to pick a fight with Iran right now because we have so many assets in the Middle East that Iran could take out immediately. That's biting off too much. And so here's what he says, Bernard says, the neoconservative lunatics in the White House may well think that they now have a chance to eliminate Russia's presence in the Middle East. They will think of this as a revenge for their loss of the war in Ukraine. They also believe it will prevent or compensate for their geopolitical defeat in Gaza. Russia is undoubtedly preparing for that. Still, its contingent in Syria is too small. A combined attack by all U.S. forces in the area, more than 150 warplanes, <clears throat> would certainly defeat Russia in the region. The question then would be what's next. So Bernard believes that this whole buildup in the U.S. Uh, forces in the eastern Mediterranean 
is for a big attack on Syria to finally push Russia out of Syria. The Israelis, if you remember just this past week, they blown, they blown up Damascus airport and Aleppo's airport. Uh, they're not usable now. And so this is his thesis that the neocons being defeated in Ukraine have got a bloody nose and they're furious. Oh yeah, we're gonna take Russia out of Syria. And if that's the case, as he points out, what will Russia's response be? You know, um, they're back using the slogan again after giving up on Assad has to go. Yeah. And now they're still still with this. But I, it's obviously not an easy task what you're talking about because we own a third of it. Yeah. We have troops. We own the oil. And, uh, and it may be in, uh, in Russia's interest to, to, to do that more so than ours. <laughs> Isn't it absolutely weird? that we can be the most productive uh, energy producer. It's not, like, it's not like these people hate oil and gas. Yeah. Who, it's, who, who's controlling it? So what we do is we ruin it in this country, then we go over and beg people to do it and fight wars and to make it. sure nobody <laughs> takes it and, and says, oh, this is our oil. Yeah. And that, that's a Republican and a Democratic position. Oh, let's go in there, we take there, it'll pay for the war. Yeah. You know, that's that was sort of, that whole thing even under Bush, that was their attitude, yeah. you know, that can pay for the whole thing, yeah. so, <laughs> unless they get blown up first. Yeah. Well, I think to, to bolster this idea, if we could put that next one, here's the Wall Street Journal this morning reporting there's been a major attack against Russian forces in Russia. Ukraine fires attackless missiles at Russian forces for the first time. Now, nobody knew that they had them yet. They were announced, but apparently they were secretly deployed. So this is a big deal. You think about this in the backdrop of the neocons losing their war uh, against Russia. All of a sudden, they sneaked the attackums in. They took out, I think, four or five, I think even more Russian helicopters. So they do this here, and then they're about to uh, maybe take on Syria. But don't worry, Dr. Paul, if we go to the next one, President Biden is going to save the day. So in the backdrop of all this chaos we're talking about, we have Biden. He says, he said yesterday, last night, on Wednesday, I'll travel to Israel to stand in solidarity in the face of Hamas's brutal terrorist attack. I'll then travel to Jordan to address dire humanitarian needs, meet with leaders and make clear that Hamas does not stand for Palestinians' right to self-determination. It sounds like he's going in there to be a little bit more moderate to start reflecting the humanitarian crisis that he really helped egg on in the beginning. Yeah, you know, you know, with us providing these weapons and that uh, they can attack, uh, the Ukrainians uh, can attack uh, Russia with these modern day weapons, uh, people, people know where they come from and yet they draw that line and say, oh, we are morally pure. We didn't do it. We don't have troops in there. None of our people have been being killed. But, of course, all the people back home are paying for it. They're out on the street and they don't even have a house because of the inflation that's yeah. going on. So, it, it, But it's amazing how they can rationalize that instead of saying, you know, we're participant. We're, we're, we're part of this. And they wouldn't do it if we weren't this uh, uh, empire that said we have to take care of the empire. And I was amazed when I started reading. I thought it was just sort of one guy, Hitler. 
Hitler and uh, uh, and, and the other the other dictators just come in, and it's all them that do it. But they they believe, uh, and and it, this has occurred here. You know, the neocons have a bit of this. Oh yeah. This this is our this is our obligation, and then they mix in religious beliefs oh. too, and uh, it it gets very very messy, and um, they don't have a precise definition of what aggression is and what a, a moral principled foreign policy might look like. And the neocons don't care about blowback either. No. Because if there's blowback, it actually just reinforces them. See, we told you these people are bad. And that's where I think um, George Samueli, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, he used to have a column on antiwar.com. He's someone I pay attention to. He made an interesting comment about Biden's trip and the timing, if we can put that up just to throw it out there. Um, and I think he makes a very good point. He said, uh, he was responding to Biden's announcement that he's going to Israel. He said, this is truly bizarre. If Israel launches its onslaught while Biden is there, or the day after Biden departs, then the U.S. will be held responsible for any and all atrocities that Israel perpetrates. It guarantees 9-11 attacks on the U.S. in perpetuity. So he's saying that Biden is owning any atrocity that happens simply by the fact of being there, and it's just acting like a magnet for terrorist response to the U.S. Well, that'll help erase that misconception that I was accusing them of. There'll yeah. be less misconception. Yeah. They'll know exactly how, how we're in, involved there. But that, the, the trip is, is, a, is a weird deal going yeah. on there. Uh, you know, it seems like they're going for the wrong reason at the wrong time, and uh, it makes no, things, no sense. And it, it, at least to us, it seems like they're, they're bound to make things worse. Yeah. You know, they're not going to improve things. But he's uh, heading, heading, uh, heading to Israel and Jordan. Uh, that, that's on the list. And uh, but you know, th this whole thing is sort of trying to guess what they're thinking when they say, "Well, we're going to wipe Gaza off the off the face of the earth. We're going to go in there and hear the truth. We're sitting there. We're ready to get marching orders." Yeah. Well, it, same thing here. They're, they're, they they talk about this and uh, uh, the, 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 con the conflict is there, but when, when are they going to do it? What, when will they do marching in? And what, what is uh, Biden's plan, yeah. you, you know, to go over there? Uh, but uh, maybe, you, you know, uh, sometimes this is a horrible thought. Uh, Sometimes, you know, before World War II, they talk, and it's been written up about how our president then maneuvered us yeah. into war. And I happened to, took a lot of years to believe anybody could do that. But yeah. then I tried to understand it. And this is, maybe, maybe this isn't, from their viewpoint, you know, maybe they'll say, yeah, that's right, but that's what we're doing it for. Yeah. You know, like chaos in the streets. Well, that's part of, that's what part of Marxism is, chaos is in the street. So we can rebuild this country in a democratically socialist monster. Yeah, yeah. So. It could be. Strange things have happened. <laughs> well, let's do a little quick coverage on the other news of the day, which is we're going to have to move ahead a couple of clips. House Speaker vote live updates, if we can put that up. Here's a question on everyone's mind today, especially with the chaos around Dr. Paul. Will GOP Representative Jim Jordan be elected Speaker? The last we looked, he was a few votes short of being elected. It's unclear if he'll get it today, but it could happen. What do you think? Well, 
I think I think it's messy, and I wouldn't put any money on what I think <laughs> because right now I think how is it you're going to pull pull this one off? You know, the other thought that I had though is a much more positive thought. You know, I, I made comment yesterday. I thought Switzerland was pretty neat yeah. because they didn't have a powerful dictator as their president, and I thought, well. How many days now is it that we've essentially had no speaker, but we have somebody holding the spot, and every once in a while he has to make decisions, and you know there's a consensus. Well, you know, after look at this, and uh, I would say that uh, no, no, uh, no speaker or a weak speaker. How, how horrible is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe there'd be less uh, movement. Of, but, the, but the problem is it encourages the people that don't listen to the law and the <laughs> rules anyway. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, but if they were to, to follow the routine, there's, see, they don't want any frustration. And they always want a rubber stamp on what they're going to do. Even though they're going to do it regardless, they want the people to approve it and the Congress to sign on to this. And uh, therefore, when, they, when somebody goes in, whether it's our leaders go in or our support for our allies go in, we have to, uh, we have to make sure that the, our people you know, share in that decision, which is obviously the opposite thing they're yeah. doing. They're just getting brainwashed into thinking, you accept it because if you don't, you're not a patriotic person. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you hate the military. You won't let the military just go and do their business. Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that we can say, though, will be a test, and I guess we got to close out, but uh, put up that next one from Anti-War. This is Dave DeCamp wrote this up. I think this is going to be a litmus test if Jordan wins, because this is a report, according to a report, Representative Jordan would allow a vote linking Israel and Ukraine aid. Now, Jordan has been vocally opposed to Ukraine aid uh, all along while he was not in leadership uh, in, of the House. Uh, the question is now, would he bow to the Democrats who want to, they call it nailing down the far right. They want to nail down and force Republicans to vote for Ukraine aid by tying it to Israel aid, which they would never vote against. So I think if Jordan, Jim Jordan takes this on and agrees to tie the two together, I think he's going to be betraying the very populist wing of the GOP that's probably responsible for him being in the chair. Yeah, and also how why McCarthy got thrown yeah, out. Yeah, why he got thrown out, exactly. Yeah. So, so. Uh, no, uh, they, they get to the point where uh, they're so deep into it, and there's on the one hand, it's this, on the other hand, this, and there's no difference. It's yeah. just a variation of, of maybe the procedures or the personalities or whatnot, but overall, it's the same thing. And, it, it, and guess what? Just like bankruptcy, it runs into a stalemate. They can't spend what they don't have. And there's a bankruptcy, a moral bankruptcy in the country, but there's a moral bankruptcy in our political system. And what about our law enforcement system? You know, our court system. Yeah. And I would say that uh, we're facing uh, big problems because they don't have any moral grounds on which to defend their positions. And uh, that was one thing I think the founders understood pretty clearly on uh, what was necessary to at least theorize of what should be in the law of the land <laughs> and uh, it, it didn't it it worked to a degree and it's still beneficial compared to other countries but it's still on its uh it's it's really right now our our whole system is being threatened yeah absolutely well i'm just going to close out and thank our viewers for watching the program today we we'll try to cover some tricky difficult issues and throw out some different perspectives and hopefully 
you appreciate that. If you're watching it, I guess it means you do. Uh, but please hit like and he, please uh, subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed. And please urge other people to su subscribe so we can grow the program. Uh, make some comments to keep it lively and keep it up there and keep it refreshed. Uh, and thanks very much for, for watching the program. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, d during the Cold War and where there was a lot of talk, and it was serious talk, even more serious than what we're dealing with because it had to deal with, with nuclear weapons. And uh, it was during that time I was in the medical training and I was drafted because of the crisis. Uh, uh, the Vietnam War was going on, but the crisis was in Cuba. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, my attitude. It seemed like I didn't have any control to get frightened or scared or screaming or hiding or whatever. I, I, I was almost stoic about the whole thing, you know, that uh, it, it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. It'll dissipate. And, and, that, uh, and especially when Kennedy talked to Khrushchev, you know, all of a sudden the immediate threat was removed. But, uh, you know, I feel a little bit different now. I, I think it's uh, more philosophic and it's more ingrained in the system and that it's not, you're not going to have a meeting uh, with two leaders in the world and remove one serious threat to it. I think the uh, serious threat is probably right here at home right here at home and understanding what kind of a government we should have. I mean, the legal system is shot, the educational system is shot, they're ruining medical care in this country. So it goes on and on. It is not like two people could try to quiet things down like they did in 1962. But I, I think that uh, the, the problems are every bit, if not worse, than they were back in those days when we worried about it and got by. So. I'm hoping that uh, the people wake up. Our job here at the Liberty Report is mainly to get the information and invite people to think very seriously about what a free society is all about and making volunteerism the, the option for people trying to figure out difficult questions. Make local government important rather than not our state government, not our federal government, and not the United Nations. I mean, this is where the problems come. The bigger the government, the smaller the amount of liberty the individual has. So uh, those rules aren't difficult to understand, and it'll be quite easy to do something about it when this system sort of fades away and doesn't work very well. But we have to have people who understand it and are willing to understand what the rules of a free society actually are. The rules are minimal. The principles are very, very important to understand. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.